All right, welcome to the I Can't Deal With This podcast, episode 33. We have the usual brothers in arms. We have Ben. How you doing, Ben? Good, man. How's everyone doing? Man, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Gabe, we have the other brother in arm. How you doing, Gabe? I'm good, man. Just chilling. We are, we are doing this chilling. episode on... Uh, our actual Zoom call, the second Zoom call. Everybody wants to stay safe. Ben always tells us to wash our hands every single day. So we want to make sure that we're practicing safety and practicing social distancing. So we are actually doing a Zoom call for this podcast. But we actually have a very special guest with us this this morning. He reigns from Mount Pleasant. He is the molder of young minds. He is a basketball enthusiast. And he is one of the masterminds be behind Kinston's 26-4 and run. He made it to the fourth round of the North Carolina playoffs. He is one of the heralds of Dontrez uh, Styles, which now is the top junior in North Carolina. We have Mr. Jackson Fink on the phone. How are you doing, Jackson? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. How, how was my intro? Dude, that was, that was inspirational, that was bro. Actually. Infathomable. I, I worked solid eight out of ten. Eight out of ten, <laughs> bro. That was you, know, like, you stumbled a little bit, you know. I at the end, group. at the end, I had everything yeah. written out word for word, but then at the end, I was like, I didn't write it all out, and so I kind of was confused. It's okay though. But Jackson, how does it feel? How is the the quarantine hitting you? Are you how are you feeling? Well, you know, I guess this is <laughs> month three. So, you know, it's going about as well as it could. Um, you know, it's the you know just watching a bunch of Netflix, Hulu, um, whatever online. You know, just have saved a lot of TV shows and movies. You know that have kind of aged like a fine wine, just for the perfect time. And what better time to bring those out than uh, during the middle of a pandemic so, so so what are you watching right now what what's kind of your your go-to shows at this moment in time i tell you what i've been hesitant over the past couple of years to start ozark but i'm very glad that i did so i could save it for the past few weeks you know i'm you know just started the new season that came out on netflix and as uh it's, it's pretty wild so for anyone out there who hasn't watched Ozark and wants something that will glue your eyes to your screen, then, you know, that's a great show to watch. I really enjoy it. Okay. I've seen season one. It's amazing. Season one's so good. Okay. Yeah. I'm for yeah, it. I'm for it. So how does it, so how does it feel? Um, so you're watching Ozark guys, Gabe, Gabe, Ben, what are you watching at this current moment in time? I'm also watching Ozark, and I just got through with watching October Faction. It's a Netflix uh, original. It's only got one season. It came out in January, and it's been sitting in my list for a little while. And just last week, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to give it a shot. And I watched the whole thing in about four or five days. It was very, very good. I highly recommend it if you like action-type thriller kind of shows. That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, Gabe, what are you watching right now? I'm, I'm about to start watching All American. Bro, like, I got, bro, that's I, the stuff. <laughs> Gabe, when you get done with that, let me know because we talking about it on the podcast. I don't care. Bro, that's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> All 
are yeah because like i got my i got my netflix account back like i just resubscribed to it so i'm gonna start watching that one everybody dude. talks about it so yeah i'm gonna just that's true. peer pressure and watch it dude no i'm telling you gabe it is not like it is a good good show you're gonna be glued to your screen kind of like what jackson said about ozark but jackson mr fink i do have to ask you a couple questions because a lot of stuff is going on with college basketball, with kind of the future of the NCAA kind of being up in the air. So I have a question as a high school basketball coach. What is recruiting like? What is – do they come to you? Do you go to them? What What's kind of the recruiting process like? Well, really, recruiting at the high school level has changed for the past couple of years. You know, uh, the committee, I think that, you know, some of you sports fans know, led by uh, Condoleezza Rice, uh, of all people, who has really, you know, kind of changed the landscape of recruiting right now. It's really shifted from high school coaches at the basketball level, you know, is really what I'm talking about because it's different than football. Um, but high school uh, athletes, high school basketball players were being recruited mostly through the uh, AAU circuit, you know, in the summers. And so here in the past couple years, uh, the NCAA really shifted their focus towards wanting to get the high school coaches more involved. Okay. They felt like by getting the high school coaches more involved, now this isn't, this is, this isn't the, this is not the political way of putting it, but they thought that by having their high school coaches more involved, that would get rid of the, uh, of kind of like the, the the bad influences, I guess you could say, behind recruiting um, through these shoe circuits, per se, like Nike, Under Armour, and Adidas, especially Adidas. But, you know, with, with the high school coaches, um, most of the coaches come out during uh, fall practices. Uh, college coaches, for example, this past season, during the fall, we had coaches from NC State, Clemson, Pittsburgh, Maryland. Those are just coaches off the top of my head that came and watched some of our high school uh, practices. But, you know, you still have recruiting during the AAU season, but it can only be certain a, ter- a certain point uh, during the summer. So they'll have certain team camps for AAU uh, teams that college coaches will go and recruit at. And then they'll also have certain dates where they go and watch high school individual camps as well as high school team camps that college coaches are allowed to go to. Um, and it's different from, like, for example, Division three or JUCO or NAIA where they basically have free reign on whenever they can go recruit. Um, so it's a very, it's a very uh, specific schedule that college coaches have to go by whenever they go uh, through recruiting at the division one level, especially. So, so with recruiting, um, I know you talked about how it used to be a, you kind of oriented. Now it's kind of turning back into high school oriented back in the day. Would it be like, was so much emphasis on AAU and that kind of stuff that people sometimes didn't even play high school basketball, or has it always been kind of a mix of like, you have to play AAU, but you also have to kind of play high school. I think it's it's always been a mix. Um, really, this the the grassroots level of basketball, AAU basketball. It really, I guess, started probably taking shape more in the in the nineties. Probably, I don't know. It was kind of before my time, 
But, uh, you know, it's really big now, very, very big. Like when a college coach is recruiting, they want to always talk with their AAU coach as well as their high school coach. But there were a lot of high school coaches who were, you know, kind of upset with that. They felt like the high, the, the college coaches were talking more with the AAU coaches as opposed to the high school coaches. And so that's kind of where the new rules have changed is where you kind of have to talk with the high school coaches more than uh, your AAU coaches because the way the recruiting schedule is working out is that the recruits, um, you're recruiting more through the high school than the AAU program. Now, from uh, what, so from what you've seen as a high school coach, and you you have your plenty, even though you're fairly young, you've seen your good share of high school players who have gone on to that next level. Um, have you at all, has there ever been a case in which you've seen a, a really good athlete in which hasn't played AAU ball, but has just played in the high school high school basketball program. Yeah, for example, there's actually a player. I mean, I don't personally know him. I just know of him. Um, player going to NC State next year, actually, who will be a freshman on the team. Uh, he His name is Nick Farrar. You can go look him up. He's from Raleigh. Uh, he did not play. AAU, if he did, it wasn't high-level shoe circuit uh, AAU basketball. But, you know, he you know was just a very phenomenal high school basketball player in a good area that he could have been recruited. And NC State hopped on him, and now he's like a top 150 recruit in the nation. Now, now you, go ahead. you said a lot of college coaches will uh, always question um, AAU coaches a lot, right? More than high school coaches. Did I get that right? Uh, before, previously, before kind of the rule, the rules really shifted to more of an emphasis on high school coaches because they felt like there was a lot more controversy and, uh, kind of like not a lot of good stuff going behind the scenes with the AAU coaches. Now, now Jackson, you've, you've had kind of the privilege of coaching some of the best players, kind of in Kinston in North Carolina. I mean, you're we're talking about Dontres Styles who is the top junior in North Carolina which just committed to North Carolina. What makes a good basketball player from a great basketball player or a, a person who will be a, a good D2 player or D3 player from a a Dontres Styles who is going to University of Chapel Hill or University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Coming out with these fastballs, huh? Well, <laughs> you know, the, the answers to that question will change depending on who you ask. And obviously, number one, you have to have the talent. You have to have the size and the skill, all right? Um, you know, not everyone's going to go out there just because they got a lot of skill who's six foot tall. Not everyone's going to go out there and be recruited by North Carolina. You know, uh, North Carolina looks for a very specific type of player, Um they want someone who is going to go fit their style of play. But like you said, they're going, they want to go find those great players. And there's a lot of different things that go into making a so-called great player. Um, but number one, you've got to have the talent. Obviously you got to be able to put the ball through the hoop. That's all it comes down to really in the game of basketball is what can you do to put that basketball through the hoop? Um, you got to have size, like I said, Dontre Styles, for example, great kid. He's six seven. Okay, he uh, 
it's a good basketball body. You know, your basketball bodies are a lot different from your football bodies. All right. You've got to uh, have great work ethic. All right. You've got to have a sense of humility, but you've also got to have a sense of confidence. Okay. There's a difference between confidence and cockiness. All right. You've got to have confidence in your craft. And, uh, you know, you got to have the right people around you. Okay. If you have people around you who are only working with you to serve themselves and not help you, then you're not going to get, uh, you're, you're not going to get very far. So you've got to have people in your corner that you can trust that believe in you and want the very best for you. And that can help you, um, you know, get to that next step as well. Gotcha. Well, I, that that's interesting that you you kind of say that and I, I kind of want to get your take because you've been on some some really good te- you've been on some good teams but I mean with your run with Kinston 26 and four uh, went all the way to the fourth round of the playoffs what we we talked about a good versus great player what kind of sets aside a good versus great program uh, what what's the difference between like a Mount Pleasant which nothing against Mount Pleasant which you coach for which had a good program but never could quite get over that hump versus Kinston which was a top top eight uh, 2A basketball team in the, the nation or in North Carolina. So what kind of separates a good program from a great program other than talent? Because, I mean, you can always say, like, you got the likes of Dontre Styles. You got the likes of so many other guys in which have a little bit more talent than maybe a Mount Pleasant. What's kind of the difference between a good versus a great program? Well, you, you get that word culture thrown around a lot. You know, and it's, it's a buzzword that people like to use in, in the sports community, and it's a very it's, – it's, it's true, okay? The, you got to have a certain culture. At a place like Kinston, which is arguably the most basketball-rich town in the state and one of the most basketball-rich towns in the country. You know, it's not a Charlotte. It's not a New York City. It's not a Los Angeles, Miami. It's just a it, – it's, you know, just one of your – it's just you, your small town community, but it's all about basketball there. And because of that, you know, you got kids who grow up. Now I'm speaking about what what's the difference between good and great in terms of a high school program. You've got kids who grow up with the ball in their hands from birth. Okay, and that's what makes Kinston so special. Is you know, it's we've had great players come through that program. For example, uh, Jerry Stackhouse, Reggie Bullock, Brandon Ingram. Uh, guys who played in the NBA and you know they've it's just a passing of the torch type deal with those guys you know and I'm sure there will be someone in the future who comes along after Don Trez but you know it's just you got to have community support for one in order to help build a great program okay you've got to be able to reach out to the community for that support okay and you've got to be you've You've got to understand that it's not all about the X's and the O's, all right? It's about how can you get that team to play together as one unit? How can you get them to enjoy playing for you? And really, what does it mean to become a a Kinston basketball player, all right? You hear the saying all the time about us about the name on the front of the jersey and not the back, and that's so true at a place like Kinston, which is just a historically rich basketball town. You know, at Mount Pleasant High School, 
uh, where I was at for four years before going to Kinston. Now I had the pleasure of working under a coach who was really starting to build up that culture. You know, we went from nine wins in our first year there to 22 in my last year there. And that's what it takes. It's a process um, to go from, you know, the, the bottom of the food chain to good program and hopefully to great program after several years. Yeah, I, I like that you said that, though, about the, like, the community and it's like being a strong foundation and stuff like that. Because I think, like, if you have a good community behind, you know, someone like Don Trez, who's not only, like, playing for himself, but he's playing for, like, the community. He wants to put it on the map. He wants to live the dream that a lot of people also want to live. I think that's a huge plus to make a great program like that. So, yeah. You know, that's one of the problems that we have, actually, is um, in, in high school basketball, not at Kinston, but just, you know, kids – you have this rise in prep schools, you have this rise in private schools. And a lot of times whenever you're at a public high school, you have this, you know, difficulty at times whenever you have a great basketball player is you have to recruit your own players. You have to recruit your guys to stay at your school because, you know, it's just a lot of this time of year in high school athletics is free agency. As sad as it is, you got a lot of people who go out there and want to, uh, you know, serve themselves and try to benefit from what a kid's talent is, you know, and at a certain point, you got to do what's best for the program. Maybe that's a little bit of pride, but, you know, if a kid doesn't want to be a part of your program, you can't really beg a kid to stay, you know, yeah. kind of, you're kind of putting the kid or a player over the program itself. All right. And the program and the team is always greater than, one individual no no matter how great of a player that kid is you know and so that's a big problem that we have in high school sports there's nothing wrong with the kid going to a private school okay it's just sometimes the manner in which that process happens yeah uh, now so that go ahead go, go ahead. ahead go ahead jack uh well that's i'm just finishing up real quick but you know that's one of the benefits of why I wouldn't want to coach private school basketball is because public school, you know, you've got your, com it's, it's like you guys have said, it's a community, you know, it's, you got people in your town who, you know, grew up going to those games, you know, if it's an older school, for example, you got, um, you know, people who come in and they can point up to a banner in a gym and bring their grandkids and they'll be like, you know, I was a part of that team. All right. You know, it's, it's, it's more than just people who go to a school. It's an entire town and community that uh, feel like they're a part of that program as well. And you got to do what you can to make those people part of your program. Yeah, and I actually wanted to build off that because you, you said that uh, Kinston was probably one of the bas biggest basketball towns in North Carolina, one of the biggest basketball towns in the country. What does, and you, you see kind of, maybe not in basketball per se, but you see in like big football towns where literally the whole town stops and they go to the games. They they might not watch the games in the stadiums or in the gyms, but they kind of listen to the games on the radio. What is kind of a, what does an average game day look like for Kinston? What is an average game day? Like, is the whole town buzzing about that night, that night's game? Or is it kind of more laid back? What is it kind of like in a average game day for Kinston? 
Well, there's a lot of layers that go into that. But first off, you mentioned football. It's funny, Kenton High School. You know, we've got we've got athletes. You know, we got a lot of athletes oh, yeah. at the school. Foot, we got a good football program as well. They've made two state championship game appearances this past decade. And you know, we'll I, I believe I heard the story was about in like 2017 or 2018. Football team was making a third round uh, appearance in the state playoffs, and people just are sitting in the stands talking about the basketball team. Okay, it's just the way it is at Kansas. It's not that way at every school. Um, but, you know, every school does have that one sport that people kind of religiously follow as opposed to other sports. But a certain, you know, typical game day experience, um, you know, Friday nights are obviously whenever you're going to have the bigger crowds unless, you know, it's a fourth-round playoff game on a Tuesday night or a big-time opponent, big-time rival coming in on the Tuesday night. Uh, Friday nights are usually the, uh, you know, you'll, you'll get a pretty good crowd. Um, the problem is, though, is, you know, we are a pretty low-income community. We're pretty high poverty. So whenever you have three games in a week, whenever you're wanting to bring out the whole family and high school tickets are six bucks to get into a game, if you got a family of five, you're spending 30 bucks to come to a high school game. You know, so it's kind of tough as these ticket prices have gone up. Um, so whenever you have two or three games in a week, you're going to go and try to go to the game that is uh, going to be hopefully the most competitive from a fan standpoint. You know, yeah. So uh, some, you know, some of the biggest crowds from this year were obviously Farmville Central and the MLK Classic, as well as the fourth round playoff game. You know, they're about 20 minutes up the road. They were the co-state champions this year, state champions from last year. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it, a lot of it depends on the opponent, but you're going to get a, you're going to get a really good, uh, atmosphere, really good crowd there. Um, any night we have a home game. For sure. Now, Jackson, this is the last question before we kind of, uh, we go on to the next thing, but what do you think? Cause we, we've kind of talked about this a little bit on the programs before, but this whole G League NBA thing that's starting to like rise up and it's kind of starting to contest the average traditional uh, way in which high school basketball is kind of the recruiting and stuff like that's going on. Um, and so you have G League players such as Jalen Green, who was the number one recruit uh, in the country. You have the number 13 five-star recruit Isaiah Todd. I mean – what do you think is the future of the NCAA? What do you think is the future for high school recruiting? Do you think that the, the G League is going to rise to prominence, kind of like what people are saying? Or do you think that the NCAA is going to regain control of their top players, kind of like a Jalen Green or an Isaiah Todd? Well, we've been through this before, obviously. You know, before the one and done, you had you know some of the best high school players who were going straight to the NBA anyways, you know, obviously like LeBron James is, you know, the best example for that. Um, but you're still going to have a lot of kids, in my opinion, who want that, the pageantry of college basketball, like Roy Williams said, uh, you know, the coach over at UNC, you're going to want kids who want to, uh, you know, play on TV, get that exposure, get that college experience, which, you know, it just can't be, um, it just can't be replaced by G League basketball where, you know, maybe the only sort of TV exposure you get is on ESPN+. Plus. Okay? So, you know, kids, obviously today's kids, they want that 
exposure. You know, social media, a lot of kids are having a big presence on social media. They, you know, it's, you want to be liked. So you want to be kind of, you know, you want to be on TV. You want to be on social media. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, for these high school kids is to go to uh, play in college. Do, all right? you, do you think um, that, do you think that they're going to buy, you said exposure and that's a hundred thousand percent accurate, but for a lot of these kids like a Jalen Green, like an Isaiah Todd, they're electing to bypass the college system altogether to get a paycheck. I mean, you got people like Jalen Green, like Isaiah Todd, who can get $300,000 in a year playing for the G League while in college, they're they're not worried about college. They don't care what the next education avenue gives them. They're just worried about getting to the NBA. And they're electing to go to a paid route to the NBA kind of rather than a NCAA, which they can't. Um, and so do you think that that – I mean, you you said that you're gonna go, you're gonna push people to go to the college thing. But do you think that the G League is gonna grow and maybe steal away a couple bigger stars in the future? If they do, then so be it. Honestly, um, you know this this the the G League I think is in kind of a testing phase now. We'll see how really well it does. To be honest. Um, I, I think that, you know, you're talking about a paycheck, you know, a couple thousand, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you still have expenses you have to pay for. All right. And I think at heart, a lot of people, a lot of 18 year old, 19 year old kids, I don't think that they want to grow up that fast and just go bam straight from high school to, you know, basically having a job and having to pay bills, pay bills, just, um, you know, just like that, you know, I think, I think most kids do want to, you know, enjoy college, you know, want to, you know, kind of, you know, want that kind of like superstar status on campus with people more around their age, nice. you know, and I think that's what a lot of people want, I got you. regardless of if they play. The only thing I really have to say is like when Jalen Green announced he was one of the G League, he, he said, like, the ultimate goal is to get to the NBA, which obviously is true for a lot of those young guys. The only thing – the only question I really have is how stiff is the competition? Is the competition just as good as Division One basketball, or is the competition even better than Division One basketball? I would – I and mean, but – How is the exposure? How exposed are, the, as, are these kids going to be? Are they, Is it going to be – is a G League game going to be like a Duke and Carolina game? Or is a G League game going to be like an AAU game? You know what to, I mean? So it just to me, to answer your question, Ben, I think that the G League is not right now. They don't have as much. They don't have as much kind of players. They don't have as much t- competition. They don't have that Duke versus Carolina rivalry. But if they can poach away enough players, then who knows? Maybe the top five recruits for our next year is going to start going to the G League. And if that's the case, then we might have that rivalry that starts to begin where you start to see uh, – a Zion versus John ja Morant in the G League, that kind of rivalry. So, I, who knows? I mean, it. I think that what the NCAA did last week or two weeks ago when they started allowing NCAA players to take endorsements, I think that's that first step that they need to take to kind of um, 
allow people that instance, allow people a little bit of money to fight back their urge to go to the G League and to get paid. If we're going to be honest, though, this G League thing, odds are it's not going to be uh, around for for much long, this idea of the best high school players going to the G League, because the way it's looking like is they're going to get rid of the, uh, you know, you have to be a year removed from high school or be 19 years old or whatever from yeah. high school to go to the NBA. I think a lot of kids, you know, if they're if they're like a Jalen Green, they'll just enter their names in the NBA draft right away. Do you, um, which is Jackson, do you think that that's a good idea? Do you think that that should be – that one-and-done rule should be eliminated? Um, see, I, I think that, you know – the one and done rule will probably not be eliminated where a kid, you know, they would make a kid stay two years in college. But, you know, a kid, if they're good enough, like Jalen Green, the number one overall player in this class, if he wants to go sign or if he wants to enter his name in the NBA draft, then, yeah, that'd be a pretty smart move on his part if that's his goal of, you know, just going to the NBA, not playing, not wanting to go play college basketball. All right. But, you know, you I think a lot of kids do get misinformation. I think a lot of kids, you know, I think I, I don't know. I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of those conversations that go on between a kid who decides to enter his name in the NBA draft and then goes on draft. You know, if you're a first round selection, then you will get a guaranteed contract. If you're a second round selection, you don't get a guaranteed contract. So if I were a college coach, you know, I would say to a kid, I'd be, you know, hey, just just be careful. Definitely test the waters. See what you can do. Find out what a projection would be from uh, these NBA teams. But if you're not a surefire first-round selection and can't get a guaranteed contract, then I would tell them seri- you probably seriously need to consider coming back to school. All right? So, I mean, that's just my thoughts on it. You know, I'm not in the room when these conversations are going down. But just as an outside observer, that's kind of what I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely kind of agree with you. Um, I'm always conflicted because you have like you have like the, the MLB system where they can go straight into the MLB farm system. I mean, you look at places like the Dominican Republic, Cuba, where they can get drafted or kind of get signed to an MLB team at 16 years old. Um, but then you also have some instances where you kind of have uh, the NFL where they have to wait until they're a junior, senior in college. So I think that it's a it's a very precarious kind of situation. Um, and and I think the NBA is kind of they're, – they're struggling because some people are saying that they should stay longer. They should wait until they're a sophomore, junior, senior in college, while other people are saying we need to eliminate the, the one-and-done rule altogether. So I kind of wanted to get your take on that. Now, last question, uh, last question, Jackson. What is your craziest teacher story from Kinston High School? Oh, man, I thought we were going to do this last. But <laughs> no, I no, I got to hear it now while we're while we're on the topic of it. Oh man, craziest teacher story. There's a lot of them. I guess. Um, obviously, I've had to break up a good handful of fights. Um, you know, I got a lot of videos of those fights. If you ever want to see them, um, boy fights, girl <laughs> fights. What I feel like most oh, people oh. in high school like. Most people in high school who fight are girls, from my experience. Yes. 
Yeah, most of the fights are girls. Okay, I don't get in the girl fights. I just keep everyone away from the fights when it comes to girls because they don't let go. They don't quit. Okay, the guys, um, you can sometimes break them up. Well, you can definitely break them up easier, um, but you're just going to have to use a lot more strength for that. Uh, but you, odds are you won't have a lawsuit against you if you touch a boy as opposed to a girl, uh, if you get my drift on that. Um, but I guess the crazy story in the classroom, um, you know, I've been called a fucker before. I've been called a bitch. You know, it's kind of to the point where it just doesn't phase you. Um, but I will tell you, the very first day, uh, I, I kind of was just kind of like, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Uh, 7.45 in the morning, taking roll on my first day in my civics class, you know, just calling out names. I call a girl's or pronounce a girl's name wrong. Uh, you know, I look up, she's giving me the bird. I mean, she's just flipping me off right there. And I'm like, oh my God, what have I done? What in the world have I done? And then, you know, that afternoon, um, helping a kid with uh, uh, something on a worksheet, I guess. I can't remember what it was. But, you know, I've got my back turned to a kid and my back turned to the window. I just hear kids start laughing. A kid has opened up the window and just ran out jumped out of the window and just starts running through the courtyard. I'm like, oh, my God. So uh, I guess that was my welcome to Kinston High School. But, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot more crazy stories, but that was just, you know, my first day story. Dude, I, dude, I can only imagine. Dude, We, I think all teachers have some kind of crazy story. Um, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely wild for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's wild. Now, I I, now I gotta ask you guys what I because I feel like everything has stopped because of the quarantine. Everything has stopped, and so a, a lot of people are still watching this last stance documentary. Uh, this past week, we had episode five and episode six, um, and so what did you guys take away from that? I, Jackson, have you watched the last dance yet? Of course. What 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 was your kind of big takeaways from episode five and episode six? It was kind of more dream team Kobe centric. The the pressure of Michael Jordan of being Michael Jordan. So what did you kind of take away from it? Uh, well, I think you know Michael Jordan. First of all, in my opinion, is the greatest of all time. You know, I think LeBron. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Uh, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think LeBron is. I, I can. I, I know. A lot of people do think LeBron is, but first off, I just want to get that out of the way. I think MJ is the greatest of all time. I think whenever, obviously, it's two different games of basketball between back then and now, but if you just look at the way the game was played back then, you know, you don't have this huge emphasis on spacing. Um, You have a lot more bodies around the paint, around the rim, and so whenever you see the way Michael Jordan had to go score and you know, just the beatings he took going to go score, it just it, it pales in comparison to what LeBron does today whenever you got shooters spaced everywhere and, you know, he, he's just one-on-one going to go lay it up at the goal with basically no resistance. And so I think Michael was uh, just – I think he was just more skilled. I think he just had a lot more competitive savvy to his game than LeBron does, and I think, you know, LeBron just – if it's an end-of-game situation, 
I think sometimes LeBron is a little bit more hesitant. Whenever I think whenever we see this Last Dance documentary, Michael Jordan's just like, yeah, just give me the ball and let me go to work. Um, But, you know, episode five and six, obviously, uh, not as much basketball-centric in terms of the Bulls, I guess, but more dream team media stuff, like you say. Um, And, and you know, I thought thought it was pretty good. But I, I think my favorite... Um, my, my favorite episodes were definitely the first week. I guess that's partly also because we had been going so long with no basketball or no sports for that matter. And finally something fun to watch and something to enjoy. I think that's just my personal opinion of my favorite episodes. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, you look at the bad boy Pistons, which were abusing this man, Michael Jordan. You have literally the net, like a couple years later, which we saw in episode five and episode six, which the New York Knicks with the Patrick Ewing, New York Knicks, they're doing the exact same thing. They're trying to manhandle him. They're making sure Pat, uh, that you have people in which are stopping him, beating him, like from going to the rim. So there was definitely a lot of physicality. There was a lot of like politicking of like, did Michael Jordan have a gambling problem? Did uh, what's the pressure like? And I, I will agree with you, Jackson, that there is a lot more like it was a little bit less focus on kind of the season itself, a little bit less focus on the basketball itself, and more about Michael Jordan as a being, as a a person, um, especially in episode six, but I think it was kind of good to kind of see behind the curtain a little bit of the pressure and the the problems of being Michael Jordan. Of like, you can't go out to eat with your wife because everybody will be there. You can't go to one place or another because you know everybody and their mother's brother will be there. I mean, it gave it gave me a big like. I know this is old school, but like a Princess Diana vibe of like no no matter where Princess Diana was going, like he, she was always getting followed by paparazzi. And most people say that that's why she like that's why she tragically died is because the paparazzi were tailing her and chasing her literally everywhere she went. So you might be the only person to ever make that connection between Princess Diana and Michael Jordan. Yeah, so for you to pull that off the top of your head, good job. Thanks, you know? man. I, I, I don't. Well, actually, when I was when I was like when I was watching the video, I was like, this is vi- like the paparazzi presence. I can only compare to Princess Diana, Diana, because like everywhere Princess Diana went, the paparazzi was there. But I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you, and this is for all all three of us or all four of us. You said that you would put. MJ over LeBron. What? Who is your top ten players of all time? I saw this on first take, and I have to ask you guys: Who is your fir- your top ten players of all time in the NBA? I want I want I want Gabe to start us out because I don't think Gabe starts us out enough. Let's go, Gabe. All right. <laughs> Obviously, number one, I have Michael. I mean, there's not much to be said there. Just a combination of everything, of like every player of all time. Michael had it. Michael didn't have any weaknesses, despite not shooting many threes. I mean, if he was living, if he was playing in this era, I definitely think he would be one of the best three-point shooters. So I'm going to go with Michael first. Two, I'm going to go LeBron. I'll just go down the rest not really explain. Two, I'll go LeBron. Three, I'm going to go Magic. Four, I'll go uh, Larry Bird. Five, I'm going Hakeem. 
I think Hakeem is the greatest center of all time. Bro, the fact that you were the on the Instagram, like, trolling people every day of, like, what about Hakeem, though? What about Hakeem, though? <laughs> it had me weak. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Gabe. So, Hakeem oh, five. Hakeem over Kareem. We're going Hakeem over Kareem, buddy. Yes, I'm going Hakeem over Kareem. <laughs> hey, he said what he said. Oh, no. right, then I'm going to go Kareem at number six. Seven, I'm putting Kobe. Eight, I'm putting Timmy D. Nine, I'm putting Kareem. That's probably going to get a lot of hate. But, I thought you said Kareem at number six. Did I? <laughs> I thought you put Hakeem and then Kareem. And then Kobe and then Timmy D. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Kobe, Timmy D. <laughs> Nine, I'm going Shaq. And then 10, I'm going Bill Russell. That's solid. Ben, what, ben, what who is your top 10? All right, so I'm going to start from number 10. And number 10 is, uh, I might be surprised, Damian Lillard. I Bro, love get the Denver. hell out of here. Bro, you, get, you getting kicked off the show. <laughs> number 10 of all time, Ben. You put Damian Lillard. As number 10. Jesus. Man. Anyway, number 9, Kevin Durant. You have a, what are we talking, bro? Ben, <laughs> you always be smoking some shit, dog. Bro, can you stop yeah, smoking you like crack? See, I've got, I, I'll, I'll agree with Ben on KD. I've got KD at number 8, and I'll explain here when he's done. Okay, so I'm I'm sorry, Ben. I'm gonna let you do your thing. Number you got, got Dame eight. number ten, but go ahead. Number number eight, I got the Easter Bunny. Number seven. Now now Stan. it's just a joke. Now it's just a joke. You're just joking. <laughs> number, <laughs> number eight, Dirk Nowitzki. Seven, Ray Allen. Six, seven, Ray <laughs> Allen. <laughs> He's a leader in three pointers. Yes, bro. Who can't, bro? He was a spot-up shooter. Don't – Ben, you frustrate me so much. Go ahead. Go to your top five. <laughs> All right. Number five. You ready? Jacob, you ready? Yes, I'm ready. It's LeBron James. At least you got some – at least you got one person who deserves to be All on right. the top ten. Definitely yeah, too low. At least he's but... in the top five. Number four. You ready, Jacob? Ready for number four? No. Are you sure? Yeah, bro. If you put freaking Brian Scalabrini on this list. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay, okay. I can handle right. that one. All right, who we got three? Three. Stephen Curry. Oh. Bro, what? Number two, Kobe. And number one, Michael Jordan. Jesus. You don't have Magic or Larry Bird in there anywhere. He could have put him – Oh, bro, Jackson, you can't argue with this man. This man, the Easter Bunny's better than Magic and Larry Bird. I don't know if this is a joke or not. I don't know if it is either. <laughs> hey, I, I spent like an hour and a half on this. I don't want to – And you put the Easter I'm, Bunny number eight? It's a joke, Jacob. I, I, I'm aware, Ben. Don't get all mad. We're, we're good. <laughs> Can we hear your explanation for why Steph at three and – or can, hold on. I just want to know why you don't have Magic or Larry Bird in your top ten. Mostly because I honestly – I'm not going to lie. I didn't think of it because I, <laughs> I thought of more like this era. That's what I was thinking. But I had to put Kareem and I had to put Tim Duncan in there because I, 
you can't. I can't have a top ten without Kareem, in my opinion. So okay, Jackson, you want me to go or you want to go? I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way, and I just wanted to, uh, you know, my top ten NBA players. What I did, I kind of looked at this current era in terms of only from the 1980s until now. I think that's. You know, whenever you have, I believe it was 1980 when the NBA and the ABA merged together. And so, you know, for example, like Dr. J came over from the ABA to the NBA and the Philadelphia 76ers. But I think that, you know, uh, the game, you, you have, the game is really when it started taking off in the 1980s. All right, so your list, question mark? Jackson? I was dunking on a bunch of six foot five white guys. So <laughs> I, I, I think with my list, I think there's a clear top six. I've got MJ at one, LeBron two, Kareem three, Magic four, Kobe five, uh, Larry Bird six. And then after that, I think it's kind of like a little bit of a crapshoot. Tim Duncan seven, Shaq eight. KD nine Steph ten, and that's only from about the nineteen eighties until now. All right, so yeah, why do you put KD eight? Uh, hold up, I've got him nine. I've got him nine because I forgot. Yeah, so you know I had to move KD down to nine. Uh, put Tim Duncan up there at seven, but you know I've got KD at nine just because you could make the argument. He could very well, if he gets back healthy from his injury, he could very well go down as the greatest scorer of all time, uh, just you know because of his length, the way he can get to his spots, um, just incredible score. He could honestly, possibly one day be the uh, most, uh, the highest scoring NBA player of all time. True. So that's why I have him in my top ten. Okay. Uh, so my list is I'm going MJ one, I'm going LeBron two, I'm going Kobe three, Magic four, Kareem five, Tim Duncan six, Larry Bird seven, Shaq eight, Wilt Chamberlain nine, and I'm actually going with one in which nobody has put. I'm going Elgin Baylor number ten. That's a good pick. I'm going. I'm going Wilt and Elgin Baylor just because. Mainly Wilt, even though he was in play, he was playing a bunch of little white kids. But like this man still had probably the greatest single season of all time, and you can't really fault a guy from being in a like in the wrong era. Um, and Did El- anyone go with the with the, the big O? What what'd you I say? Don't think so. The big O? No, I don't Oscar think anybody. I don't think anybody ever ever said Oscar. But he would be a good one too. I also I put Elgin Baylor just because Elgin Baylor in the playoffs was a monster. Now there were also only like four teams that made the playoffs back then. Hey, hey. <laughs> I also f- forgot about that, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, like best of three series, first team to win two games. Now, now, finals, now, Jackson, I have to ask you. I have to ask you because. <laughs> You have of me and you have very different opinions. Who would you say had a better career, Kobe or Magic? It's a close one. It's super close. I'm going Kobe, no doubt. Kobe, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. 
That's what you're saying. You yep. have no doubt in mind Kobe's better? Yep. Man, if I was to list them, it would be like, you know, uh, 1A, 1B with magic, just a sliver of a hair ahead of Kobe. You want you want to debate about it? Because, I mean, we got two refs and we can we can debate about it. Unless you're scared, yeah. because I, I'm already because I'm fully prepared to debate that Kobe was better than Magic. Well, you attacked Ben earlier on a personal level, so I think Ben is going to be on my side just because he doesn't. No, like Ben, him. Ben, I need you to be clear-headed. I need you to listen. All right, somebody, somebody, give us a, a one-minute timer for our op- opening statements. What are we talking about? We're we're doing a debate in which I'm two and zero oh in. Hold up. What were the two debates that you won before? I won uh, I won that uh, against Ben that the NCAA should not pay their players. And then I won against Buddy two weeks ago, three weeks ago, in which uh, he said that the 95-96 Bulls were better than the 2000 Lakers. But I proved him wrong. Dude, they were Hey, hey, I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. And Ben t- chose me, Gabe. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So, somebody put a minute on the clock. I will tell you why my opening statements, why Kobe is better than Magic. You ready? Hold on. Just, just for one second, when did everyone start calling Buddy Gabe? And I uh, Gabe. Buddy. So, just so you know, Gabe wanted to be called Gabe on the podcast. Um. Just oh. so you, just so you know, but, <laughs> but if it makes you feel any better, the amount of times in our 33 episodes that I've called him buddy has got to be over a hundred times. Yeah. I'm sorry. I outed you, Gabe. Now nah, you're good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I will give you three reasons. My three prong argument, why Kobe is better than magic. The first right, is I'm about to destroy it. Then. Okay. Well, the first is durability. You are only as good. Durability is the most important part that makes a great player. Kobe, 20 years in the league. Magic Johnson, 13 years. The second one is if you look at his career, if you look at Kobe Bryant's career, he was a better career player than Magic Johnson. And then the last point that I'm going to make before I get into my main arguments is he did more with less. He won championships with people that nobody's ever heard of. He he won championships with people like Andrew Bynum, people like Derek Fisher, people like Lamar Odom. While on the other hand, you have Magic Johnson winning with people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hall of Famer, Bob McAdoo, Hall of Famer. James Wilkes, Hall of Famer. James Worthy, Hall of Famer. So, that is my that is my opening statement. All right, well, first off, before I get to my opening statement, durability cannot be uh, applied necessarily to Magic Johnson just because he couldn't help it. He could, well, he, I guess he could, but he did get AIDS, so, like... <laughs> I mean, he hey, I don't know if you know how I don't now. know if you know how AIDS work, but he definitely could have not stuck his woo <laughs> in the woo ha. Right. But if we're talking about like injury and stuff, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that really. Man, if you don't come on, give me your opening statements. We ain't got all day. Okay, all right, okay, Magic Johnson. 
right, we ready with Mama opening statement? Get, all right, down. go ahead. All right, number one, best point guard of all time, okay? Best point guard of all time. Uh, Kobe was not even the best player at his own position, okay? Number two, he could get his shot and anyone else's at any point. He was the career all-time leader in assists at 11.2 per game, all right? He also, I mean, he did win the same amount of championships that Kobe won, but he also played in more NBA finals than Kobe did, all right? He also has 2,346 playoff career assists. He's the only player in NBA history to have at least 2,000 in the playoffs. And he, lastly, he also holds the career record for most triple doubles in the playoffs at 30. So he impacted the game in a lot more ways than Kobe Bryant did. All right. Well, we'll we'll have to talk about it. We'll have to talk about it. So, so I will give my I will give break. my main argument. Ben, can you put three minutes on the clock so I can give my main argument? Please. Oh, we're doing this like a legitimate debate? Yes, we're doing this like a legitimate debate. All right, Ben, you ready? Yeah. All right, go. So, my first first thing is, yes, you can't really... I mean, I'm going to fault him for getting AIDS just because he shouldn't have stuck his penis where it shouldn't belong. Because durability is the biggest thing to an athlete. If you can only... If you can only do stuff for two, three years, you're not valuable to a team. But if you're able to stick around and put up with the hardship and the turmoil of an NBA season for 20 years, that says something about how well you're taking care of your body, how well you are helping the other people around you, and you're not taking punishment like some other people. And Bill Russell said, as I said in my opening statement, durability is part of what makes a great athlete. And Kobe was durable. He has the second most seasons played of any player in the NBA. Now, if we look at the second thing, which is you got to look at the five championships versus the five championships. If you look at 15 years in which Kobe went to the playoffs versus 13 years that Magic went to the playoffs. Kobe went to 18 All-Star games versus Magic's 13 All-Star games. If you look at him as a scorer, Kobe is a thousand percent a better scorer than Magic Johnson. He scored 25 points per game while Magic scored 19 points per game. If you look at his defensive ability, he was a better defender. He was a 12-time total All-Pro selection, while Magic, on the other hand, had zero uh, total All-Defense all selections. I'm sorry. He was a nine-time first-team All-Defense. He has more. If you look at his total points, rebounds, steals, blocks, games, he has more than Magic by no means, by any means. Even though he only has one MVP, he should have four over Dirk, over Steve Nash twice. Because you look at Steve Nash. Steve Nash, his 2006 year, went 18, 4, and 10, while Kobe went 35, 5, and 5. Dirk went 25, 9, and 3, while Kobe went 32, 5, and 5. Steve Nash, 15, 3, and 11, while Kobe went 
28, 6, and 6. He should have four MVPs, which should have elevated him over Magic's three MVPs. And my last point is you need to look at the team comparison. The first thing that you have to look at is what kind of team surrounded Sha- or surrounded Kobe versus what kind of team surrounded um, what kind of team surrounded Magic. And if you look at his 2010 team, you have Shannon Brown, Andrew Bynum, Paul Gasol, Lamar Odom, Meta World Peace, and those guys don't have anything compared to a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a Bob McAdoo, Your a James up. Wilkes. Hey, I got I uh, give me Your 20 seconds. So, Bob McAdoo, James Wilkes, James, uh, James Murphy. If you look at every single championship that Magic Johnson won, he had a minimum of two other Hall of Famers. If you look at the five championships that Kobe Bryant won, he had a maximum of one Hall of Famer that he played with. And we're talking about in 1980, Magic beat a Dr. J, Doug Collins, Andrew Tawney. You have three guys on that team which averaged 10 points per game, while in 2010 you have people like Ray where Kobe had to beat Ray Allen, KG, Paul Pierce, Ray John Rondo, and don't forget Glenn Big Baby Davis. Six players over 10 points a game. He Man, didn't... you're supposed to be regulating this debate, and you're not doing a good job. He, he is... passed four minutes. He just passed four minutes, so you get four minutes. <laughs> well, I don't need four minutes because I'm just going to destroy his argument. And All right, hurry that. up. But, uh, you know, number one, I, I just want to question you. What defines durable? All right, because the, if we're talking about durability. If that's the most important thing that we're looking at, all right, and you're attacking Magic Johnson's AIDS, all right, well, let's talk about Kobe's ankle, all right, okay, uh, domestic abuse. That really, you know, hurt hurts him as well. You're talking about his legacy. Whoa, you're talking right? about a dead guy. But you better so, calm down. You know what? We're all, we're talking about a dead guy walking who's got AIDS. All right, so. Um, <laughs> The other reason why Magic Johnson played less seasons is because, duh, he went to college. All right? And what did he do in college, buddy? What did Magic Johnson do in college? What did he win? He won rings. Yes, he won a ring. What? He he won a national championship (laughs) in college before he went to the Lakers. Who cares? So, So, basically, you know, he won kind of, you know, six championships. Right. That's not a thing. That's not a thing. Magic Johnson is also uh, positionless. All right, He could play anywhere from one through five on the basketball court. If you look at the first NBA Finals that he played in one end, when Kareem went down against the Philadelphia Sixers, who was it that stepped into Kareem's spot at the center position? It was Magic Johnson. All right, so Magic Johnson is the first positionless basketball player in the NBA. All right, and that's you know he was able to get his other teammates involved, something that Kobe did not do. Kobe was a great player, a great scorer by no means, but to be a great player doesn't mean you have to just be a great scorer. That's why Magic Johnson was averaging over 11 assists for his entire career. All right, that's at least 22 points a game. So if we're going by 22, what's 19 plus 22? 41. I'd like to see what Kobe's assist average per game was in addition to his points per game average. It was six per game, by the way. All right. Six per game. And like you said, you made the argument for me. He was a three-time MVP. 
All right, Kobe was a one-time MVP. Don't even get me started about the MVP. Kobe got robbed three times. Excuse me. We can play this shoulda, coulda, woulda game all day long, but, you know, three to one, what's greater? Three. All right, that's all I got to say. All right, let me do my last one. If you look at my, my closing statement, if you look at the team versus team, there's no way that you can tell me that the Magic Johnson playing with the likes of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bob McAdoo, James Wilkes, James Murphy, or James Worthy, there's no way that you can tell me those four Hall of Famers, he won't have 11 assists per game because those guys are scoring machines. You're talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who averaged 25 points per game in his career. Well, yes, Kobe Bryant didn't have nearly as many assists per game as Magic Johnson because he couldn't trust the guys like Magic Johnson could. He was playing with Shannon Brown, Andrew Bynum. He did have Paul Gasol, which was averaging 18 points a game, but we're talking about three guys in which average more than uh, 10 points per game, and Kobe was one of them. There's no way that you can look at Magic Verse, there's no way you can t- look at Magic versus Kobe and tell me that Kobe didn't do more with less. Because like I said in my, cl- my, my main statement, every championship Magic won, he had a minimum of two Hall of Famers with him. And if you look at his total numbers, he is above him in defensive, uh, defensive all-pro selections, um, more points, more rebounds, steals, blocks, games. There's no way that you can tell me that Magic should be able to hold Kobe's jockstrap. And if we're even t- and if we're talking about clutch, Kobe was the king of clutch. He had 26 game-winning shots, which is the most all time. So, clutch, scoring, defense, three-pronged argument while Magic has assists. That's it. That's my closing statement. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, my closing statement is just this. He was positionless. He made an impact on every spot on the floor where Kobe did not. All right. So, I mean, listen, if you needed to plug him in at the small forward, Magic was there. All right. You can't tell me Kobe was able to go and play center. All right. Magic was able to impact every position on the floor with his offense. All right. His assist, like I said, okay, his ability to get others involved. You're saying just because he had other players uh, who were all-stars and and Hall of Famers or whatever, that's why his assists were so up. Well, maybe he was the reason why they were Hall of Famers with the uh, no way! No, you're talking about get, we're talking about me, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We're talking. I did not interrupt you. Okay? <sighs> so maybe that was the reason why some of those were able to get you know to be all stars is because he was able to feed them the ball in the most pristine situations for them to score. All right, and you know my last argument is that he was a triple double machine. All right, again he impacted the games. And more than just and and just assists, okay? He was a twenty point per game score in a game where the three point line wasn't as big of an emphasis, okay? Uh, rebounding, his size, he was able to rebound the basketball, okay? His length was able to alter shots. Maybe his defensive statistics weren't as great, 
but he was able to alter the shots, all right, and getting the passing lanes and deflect passes just because he was such a tall guy, so just because he was such a big, active guy. All right, that's my argument. So you're telling me right now in today's NBA, you're telling me Russell Westbrook is better than James Harden. Because Russell Westbrook's he's the triple-double machine. James Harden, he goes for 40 points, 30 points a night. So you're telling me Russell Westbrook's better than James Harden? I'm not saying that at all. Thank you. All right, Ben, buddy, Russell, who won this so argument? Saying, so you're saying, so you're saying, Tom, so you're saying James Harden is Kobe Bryant uh, in today's game. I would say James Harden is Kobe Bryant in today's game. The game is just the game is just so much different though. Like those arguments are like comparing those two to each other or comparing Magic and Kobe to Russell and and and, and Harden mm-hmm. is just yeah. different because right. Russell was just such a different player from Magic. Yes, they both were triple double machines. They just got triple doubles in different ways. All right, you got to tell me. So, I've me and Jackson have laid it all on the line. So, Ben and Gabe, who won this argument? I okay, so I'm I'm going to say this because he, he Jackson, I'm going to say Jackson because he got me when he when he <laughs> talked about assists. He got me when he talked about assists. Like you have to, I get it. Kobe, Kobe was a scorer. I get it, but you gotta make an impact somewhere else besides scoring. You gotta get the other players involved. I'm going with Jackson. He didn't have nobody else. <laughs> All right. Gabe, who you pick? Man, I, I'm sorry, Jake. But I'm gonna have to go Fuck. with Jackson, man. My undefeated streak is gone. I know you said I know you said Kobe did more with less, but career-wise, Magic did more in less seasons. He accomplished more in less seasons than Kobe did. So that's I'm gonna go with Jackson on this one. There goes your durability argument, Jacob. <laughs> Bro, shut up! You want to know? I'm two and one. Don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's nice giving you your first loss. Bro, it feels good. Dang it! Because you know me, every time me and you got in an argument or debated, I always won. That is not true. Nobody will ever say that Kevin Love back in the day was better than DeMarcus Cousins. Nobody. Call call Anthony Anthony Yeager up and I think he'd agree with me because he remembers those arguments and how I would win. No, that's not true. That's not true. Bro, buddy, buddy, back in the day, back in back. Back about two, three years ago, who was better, DeMarcus Cousins or Kevin Love? You said two years ago. Two, three years ago, before DeMarcus Cousins got real like hurt bad when he was with the Pelicans. Uh huh. I'm have to go with DeMarcus Cousins. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I got one Thank more you thing. Debate well, for another time. That's been a four-year debate. Yes, but we're not going into it because Demarcus Cousins is dead, and uh, Kevin <laughs> and Kevin Love. I don't even know if he plays for anybody anymore. He's on the no-show Cavs. All right. Well, we got one more thing to get to before we end this out. Now, I, I just want to say one thing real oh fast. Oh my god! I think no, no. It's about Magic and Kobe. I want to go back to my first point: is that I think that both of them are on the same level. I just think Magic is just a sliver of a bit better than Okay, Kobe. okay, you won. Shut up. We got to get done with this. We are at one hour and eight minutes in. 
So, nice. so I got to ask you, because May 4th was yesterday, because May 4th was yesterday, and, this, and th- today is the revenge of the 5th, because it is the 5th of May, what kind heard. of comparison in sports can we compare somebody like a Darth Vader or a Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan to somebody in sports? It could be basketball. It could be baseball. It could be football. Who would you say is the Darth Vader, the Anakin Skywalker of sports? Dude, Obi-Wan, you can compare Vince Carter to Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan was really old in like most of the movies and like Vince Carter stuck around in the NBA for a while. So I'm going to compare like Obi-Wan Kenobi with Vince Carter. Okay. All right, I'm going to give you guys my list, and I'll tell you my reasons why. I think KD is Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader. He goes from the light side, which you can say is the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he goes to the dark side, which is the the Golden State Warriors. Now You could say the same thing about LeBron, though. Yeah, you can, and I was thinking about that, but I'm going to go with KD. Who I think is Luke Skywalker in this situation, I'm going with the claw, Kawhi Leonard, who puts brings back balance to the force. He brings back balance to the NBA by taking down the Golden State Warriors. I'm going with LeBron. He's done as, it twice, actually, if you think about it. Yeah. You know, he took on the Miami Heat with LeBron in them. True. I'm going with... Uh, Obi-Wan, I'm going with LeBron James. I think LeBron James, he's getting a little bit older, but he can still move. He can still play. He's probably as good, if not better, than anybody in the NBA, kind of like Obi-Wan was. Steph, I'm going with the Emperor. Steph is the Emperor. (laughs) No! Everybody knew that the dark side, Golden State Warriors, it was Steph's team. He is the emperor. He is the one who probably masterminded KD coming to the Golden State Warriors. I'm going with the. I'm going with Han Solo. I'm going with James Harden. Spot up shooter. He can shoot anywhere on the floor, just like Han Solo could hit any target. I'm going with Giannis as Leia, just because I find it funny. Giannis Leia. I'm going with Anthony Davis as being Chewbacca, just because both of them are hairy. And then the last one, I'm going with Rest in Peace. I'm going with Kobe as Master Yoda. Oh, yeah. All right, well, who do you guys think would be sports people in Star Wars? I was going to say like NBA as like Yoda. You can do NBA, but it could also be NFL, Major League Baseball, doesn't matter. I was going to say LeBron James as Yoda because after a lot of the games of the past season, you see LeBron James always coming up to, like, the young guys coming up, like John Moran, like, trying to give him, like, advice on the court, like, hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. So I'm going to say LeBron James is more of as, like, a Yoda. I'm going to say uh, Kyrie Irving as a Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm gonna say that because, like, Jar Jar Binks is a very, like, goofy character, and he kind of – he gets the job done. It just kind of looks weird when he's doing it, you know? And Kyrie Irving's handles kind of remind me of the same thing. Kyrie Irving's kind of all over the place, but at the end of the day, he'll get the job done. He is immature like one, Jar Jar Binks. I think, I think what Ben said and the Kawhi Leonard as Luke Skywalker, I think those are the two most accurate. I think I definitely said that, but thanks. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Interesting. Though. I like that question. Well, what do you? I yeah. I was hey, gonna say, what do you think? You, Gabe? you you can't you can't ask me. I I know like nothing, dude. Like I'm 
I'm ignorant. (laughs) Gabe looks like the Battlestar Galactica type fan over someone who likes Star Wars. Like Star Trek. Yeah. My parents used to have Star Trek on the TV sometimes. I used to watch that. Yep, there it is. (laughs) You have to know Star Wars in my family to be a part of the family. All right, boys. Well, I think I think let's call it a quit. Uh, what what we always have this kind of segment of what words of wisdom do you have to embark, em, embark, em, implore, something like that, to our millions and millions of fans. Implore is definitely the right word, Ben. Two things. One, wash, wash your hands. hands. Yes, Number we got two. it. The end of the semester is here. Exams are here. Study. True. Exactly. Study. I mean, not Study for hard. not for me and Jackson. We're we're yeah. kind of we still got a month. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but me and Jackson, we we just cashing checks anyway. We really ain't doing nothing. I guess my advice to everyone is, um, you know, I, I figured it out, and and. During this pandemic and, you know, social distancing and all that, whenever you're out in public, I've kind of figured it out. There are three types of people, okay? Number one are your people who don't wear masks, okay? They're That's kind of me. your people. You, you, you need to – I'm the same way. You need to get a good gauge on who they are. Are they risky? Are they not? Do they look clean or are they not? Okay, if they look like a normal person, then yeah, that's fine. Go up and talk to them, but make sure you stand at a decent distance away. Number two, your people who wear the mask. Okay, nothing wrong with them. You can go up to them, have a conversation with them, be perfectly fine. And then number three are your people who go out and you know that it looks like they're walking into a you know Chernobyl reactor plant. <laughs> Got the hazmat suits on. Yeah, those are the people who you definitely want to avoid, okay? So that's my uh, wisdom for all the listeners out there. Okay, Gabe, what do you got? Man, uh, I mean, there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been said. Keep washing your hands like Ben always says. Just be safe, you know? And just every once in a while, go outside and just breathe in some fresh air. Just enjoy nature. True. I've been doing that. It's, It's been good. Yeah, you right for sure. All right, guys, it's been a good. Can we can we talk about one thing real fast right, for like I... two minutes? Okay, is is how we how we have not, you know, mentioned how the government came out with pictures about UFOs and no one batted an eye about it. Yeah, actually, my roommate was talking about that the other day of how we the CIA confirmed UFO sightings and nobody said anything. I don't know yeah, anything like... about it. Well, I, I think that, you know, it just, it, number one, like you said, 2020 is so crazy that, you know, UFOs have been confirmed and no one cares. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, I think if Trump really wanted to just throw everyone for a loop, he should just release like all the JFK documents. Like, let's just really throw that out there and let's just... Let, let, let's just get our minds off of this uh, uh, quarantine coronavirus stuff and, you know, let's release that to the public. Dude, I wonder what's going to happen with the presidential, like, because we're supposed to, like, vote for president in, like, November. Uh, we'll be fine by then. Yeah, but, like, they're supposed to be campaigning and 
going from state to state and doing that kind of stuff. But they definitely can't do that right now. Yeah. I think people are just going to be like, you know what, screw it. And they're just going to start going back to some sort of return to normal life. Because I know like the beaches are starting to get a little bit more crowded. And like, I don't blame them. I'm getting, I'm, I'm kind of getting to that point as well. I feel that. It's just, you know, you just got to be smart. You know, what, like ben, ben says, wash your hands. Always wash your hands. All right, guys. Well, we will talk with you next week. Y'all have a good week.